to Africa's Business Rockstars and on today's episode, how a 10-year-old Fred Apalu moved from experimenting with pizza making in his grandma's kitchen to inventing the art of lifestyle dining in Ghana through his luxury boutique catering brand, Villa Grace. Now the amazing thing is in 2018, this young boy who is now close to 30, <laughs> was named one of Forbes Africa's 30 under 30 most promising change makers in business. And he's our guest today on Africa's Business Rockstars. Hi there, Rockstar. Hi. How are you feeling? Feeling great to Very, very great. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Glad to have you on the show. Glad to be here. <laughs> so tell us what it was like growing up. Okay, so I grew up in a very close-knit family um, of four. I have two brothers and a sister, mm-hmm. and of course my parents. We grew up um, in a very fun-loving environment. My my grandmother, Grace, constantly, actually. Um, my mother's mother was um, an important part of our upbringing. Okay. You know, most, in Ghanaian families, in most families anyway, when you have young working parents, your grandparents mm-hmm. kind of play an important role in your upbringing. Right. Uh, my family was no different. We spent a lot of time with my grandmother, um, Grace, and I'd say that's when my love for cooking mm. actually was born because she did a lot of that. Okay. And we all had our chores, you know, in, in helping clean up the kitchen mm. and, you know, baking and things like that. So, yeah, that was pretty much upbringing. Right. Um, in a small nutshell. <laughs> Educational background. So I understand you went to Christ the King. I did. And then you went on to Lincoln Community School yes. as well. Yes. All right. Um, what was that like? Okay. So Christ the King was fantastic because, um, you know, it gave me the, the, the stern Catholic upbringing okay. that I think is also very important to a young person. Um, it, it made me very diligent, very principled, and mm. instilled values in me. Mm. Lincoln honed my creative side. So Lincoln um, allowed you to express yourself in, 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 in the creative arts mm. and things of that nature. I think Christ the King was more... Um, strict in terms of career path mm. and of, of what careers were successful or at least made to seem successful but Lincoln kind of let you know that you can do anything right. that you want to do as long as you're going to be the best you know, at, it. at it and um, that was education um, essentially So what did Lincoln let you know that you were going to be good at? I knew I was, I was a creative mind Okay. I always knew, I, I think even in Christ the King um, which made me realize that I should not be a creative mind because <laughs> we didn't really, they didn't really pay attention to things like that. I mean, that was like, he's not paying attention. He doesn't listen. He does, you know, at Lincoln, Lincoln allows different ways of learning to, to grow. Right. And I was a different kind of learner. I just couldn't sit behind in a class of 50 and, you know, kind of follow what a teacher is on the blackboard. I needed, right. you know, a bit of one-on-one attention, could, better communication, that kind of thing. I, right. I got bored very easily. But that's because I'm a creative. So sitting down there and doing math or formulas didn't make much sense to me. But um, Lincoln definitely honed that that aspect of my life. Yeah. Bringing out and challenging my creative side. Right. You know, and that was great. I think that that's kind of made me who I am today. Okay. So um, how did that, how did I put this? So this creative side of yours, right. how was that nurtured by your parents? Did the teachers call your parents and say, you know, we see your son has some creative abilities. You may have to nurture that I, talent. Honestly, I think my, I don't think my parents nurtured it. I think my grandparents probably nurtured it more okay. because we spent a lot of free time as young people. When we were young, like I said, at these cantonments at my grandmother's. And, you know, she, she, my grandfather loved 
gardening and okay. you know that stuff. Um, when we were young kids, actually, they had. You know, we, my, my grandfather was into agriculture and, and animals and stuff. So okay. we would horseback ride. We would, you know, build chicken coops and buy chickens mm. just because I, I was into animals at the time as well. Mm. Um, he would buy, like, little goats and little pets, mm. stuff like that. But, again, that's all creative. Uh, it kind of goes to the creative mindset, you yes. know. Um, and then my grandmother was a homemaker. So she, she cooked, mm. she baked, she was always grilling, you know, things like that. And she also kept us involved. Mm. Or at least when she realized that I was interested, she made sure that she was honing those skills. Right. Okay, come, let me show you how to do this. You know, tie the rope around the chicken's leg when you're going to do a roast. Okay. You know, and stuff the onions inside, the under the breast. And little things like that, which, I, which today, I, in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that was kind of shaping me into what I am and who I am today. Right. Um, where my career is, is, is regarded. But, um, yeah, it was, it was all an enjoyable time, and it was all... It all fed into realizing what I am today in terms of creativity. Yeah. You know? Okay, so did this then feed into what you studied um, post-Lincoln, so in university? Hospitality. I think so. I knew that I always wanted to be in hospitality ever since I was about five. Why is that? I don't know. I was intrigued by hotels. Okay. At the age of five? At the age of five. (laughs) I I used to love going. I mean, when we were growing up as well, hotels were fun places to be. Okay. It's not like today. I don't know what the kids today like, but, you know, in our time, Shangri-La, for example, mm-hmm. had a swimming pool mm-hmm. and there was a little playground and it was right next to the polo club so you right. could ride horses and there was so much to do, you know, in that hotel, the space of luxury, entertainment, good food, yeah. beverage, and things like that. So I always thought like, wow, this is where I want to, you know, I, I was always happy mm. in that space. So I thought this is exactly what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. Right. I want to be in this environment for the rest of my life. But that quickly changed huh? when <laughs> I actually went into the hotel business. Okay. Um, and that's what you studied when you went to school? I studied hospitality in college okay. um, for my undergraduate, and then I did an MBA in marketing. So my first job was for the Mario Group you okay. know, in South Florida, and I absolutely hated it. Why in the it, world? It, you know, I think I, I never realized that with hotels... Somebody's always on the clock. Yeah. So you, you when, when you get to a hotel at 3 a.m. and you're like, oh, let me order some room service, mm-hmm. there's a whole team that's working around the clock to make sure you have that, mm-hmm. you know? And that's something that I, I think I forgot or didn't realize. Yeah. So when I finally got to, to, you know, the hotel industry and I was working there and some of the shifts I had yeah. were the, you know, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. shifts, I was like, yeah, this is not... <laughs> This is absolutely not for but me. But what was happening on those type of um, shifts? It, it, just the, it was just very boring and, and, the, and depressing. And also, the way that I am is that I can't sleep when it, there's sunlight. Okay. So I, I, I was always tired because I would go home, you know, leave my shoots at 6 a.m. I'd go yeah. home, and because it's daytime, I sleep like maybe one hour, two hours, and then yeah. I'm up. I'd clean, you know, do what I have to do. But then by night, it's time to go again. Okay. So I was just always tired. It kind of messed with my social life as well. You know, it just wasn't... I realized at that moment that it wasn't for me. Yeah. So working in the hospitality industry, mm-hmm. you realized that at the age of five, the fun and excitement you thought mm-hmm. the hotel industry offered right. wasn't um, as exciting as it's going to be, Yeah, right? it was not for me. <laughs> okay, so you shifted into marketing. Yeah. Um, why marketing and how did that happen? Um, I think I'm a natural-born marketer. Mm. I know how to sell things. Mm. I know how to use words to 
you know, kind of finesse people and, you know, <laughs> things like that. I know how to get my way okay. using words. And that's, that's naturally. I've always been that way. So I was always intrigued in the actual skills and, you know, ideas mm. and techniques and things that actually um, make up, you know, the, the tool or the function that is called marketing. So I, I, I you know, did an MBA in that and okay. I have no regrets because that has allowed me to know how to position my brand today, yeah, um, you know, the direction in which it should be going and, and things of that nature. But what are some of the um, some of the courses or some of the experiences you had while studying marketing that has been able to feed into your brand now? Um, I wouldn't say there's experiences. I, I, th- I think just the idea of understanding brands, mm. understanding markets, mm. understanding brand positionings, um, understanding, you know, value for money, right. you know, and how people mentally link that to products and, and goods and services, etc. So it's been more trying to link, you know, the different things that I studied into one, yeah. and then also linking it to this market and seeing how Ghanaians think, how Ghanaians operate, and then making sure that, you know, I, I'm able to make it work, yeah. which I think so far I have. All right. You know. So you did your MBA in marketing. You're done. You have your degree, and then you enter a nine to five. Yep. Right. Corporate and America. Fantastic. Right. But as the Marriott bit, yes, <laughs> because that was my first job. So I ended, you know, but then after I worked in marketing, that was great. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, coming up with campaigns, you know, figuring out um, marketing plans and strategies. That was for me. Um, I like corporate America. I like the structure that it give it gives one um, to one's life, a young mm-hmm. person's life. It allows you to to live a comfortable, honest life. Mm-hmm. It allows you to bring structure to your life. You know, um, and I like that. And I wish that corporate Ghana would give more Ghanaians at least, you know, a taste of what that is like. Yeah. You know? So if you liked it so much, why did you decide to pick up your bags and come back home? My decision to move home was very abrupt. I, I, it wasn't something that I pondered over for too long. Um, what happened was that my grandmother, Grace, who was such an influential person in my life, passed away um, the December before I moved back. I moved back in like June, I think. Okay, of which year? And of 2014, maybe 15? Okay. 14, oh, yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, when we were abroad for you know, for uni, for college, we would come back every every holiday and my grandmother would be getting older and older. You mm-hmm. know, like with every trip, I'm like, wow, she's getting like a lot more frail. And, yeah. You know, and I always used to, you know, think to myself like, you know, Everyone dies, of course, you know, it's inevitable. But I, I was like, I wonder if we'll be there, like, when the dear grandma passes away. Like, yeah. I wonder what that'll be like, what yeah. it'll feel like, you know. And um, unfortunately, we weren't able to be there. Okay. You know, which was, was painful. But it was, a, it was a phone call. You know, my mom picked up the phone and called me. And I knew she wasn't well, but I really was hopeful that she'd come around. Yeah. You know, and she didn't. But um, we came for the funeral in January. And when I went back to the States... I had a, like, after the whole, you know, being overwhelmed by the funeral and, and emotions and all of that, I had a big aha moment, one random, like an epiphany, you know, one random day. I thought to myself, wow, you know, I'm sitting here doing, you know, working, living a good life, happy, but the people that I feel like I owe the most to in life mm-hmm. are, are not with me. Mm-hmm. So what am I doing? Who am I working for? Yeah. Well, how am I, you know... Uh, how do I give back to them from here? How do I, you know, things like that. I started asking myself those questions. And I realized that I need to go back home because my parents are really essentially who I owe everything to. Right. Because, you know, 
what I am today is because of what they've given me yeah. and, and how they've allowed me to, to grow, yeah. you know, and the support they've given me both emotionally, spiritually, and financially, you know. So I, I called my sister and I was like, listen, this is what I'm thinking of doing. I think one of us has to go, mm-hmm. like, you know, and I, I'm thinking of moving. Um, at this point, all of my siblings lived abroad. Okay. My brother has since moved back as well. But um, my sister was like, do it. You know, she, she, well, my sister is very spontaneous anyway, but she would never do it. I was going to say. But, no, no, but she was like, go ahead and do it. So I quickly called my mom. Well, I, I put in my resignation letter, called my mom. I was like, mom, I'm moving. I'm coming back next week. Like, okay. I'm moving back for good next week. She was very excited. My dad was more like, what are you going to do? Like, you know how dads are. Yeah. What's your plan? Where are you going to work? What are you, you know, I was like, we'll figure it out. But I'm moving home. Did you have a plan? I didn't have it. Well, I did, but I didn't. Okay. You know, I knew that I wanted to work with my mom. My mom um, works in printing and publishing, and okay. I knew that I wanted to kind of try and help her take her business to the next level. Okay. Because, again, I, I come from marketing world, so I know how to strategize and put things in place to kind of grow and expand, et cetera. But I quickly learned that my mom and I are just best as mom and son, <laughs> <laughs> not in business. So, you know, I learned that the hard way. Um, and then... One thing led to another, and Villa Grease was born. No, it, it didn't just happen like that. Uh, yeah, it did. <laughs> <laughs> so you've moved back home. You've tried to work <coughs> with your mom. Um, turns out that it didn't, it didn't, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your dad is still wondering, so what's, what's my son's plan? So in between this, what, what were you doing? I, okay, so when I first moved back, I wanted to move into the guest room of the house. Okay. It was downstairs. It was away from my parents. You know, I'm like, you know what? I need to, I've come from living by myself. Yeah. You know, I need to kind yeah. of have my own space. Yeah. So I was doing some renovations downstairs to make it more accommodating and I think adultly and you know comfortable. And in that space, I used to cook for myself. In that time that I was doing that, I used to cook a lot for myself because I had okay. time. Okay. I would make my own breakfast, lunch, dinner, etc. And I would plate it nicely and you know make it look good and post it on Instagram. Yeah. I used to do that primarily because I wanted my friends in the states to realize that Ghana is not what they think it is in their head. Okay. Because when I was leaving, I had a lot of friends who were kind of like, you know, we're so sorry, you have to go. If there's ever a time, if you know, if you ever need anything, mm. Um, mm. call us, we're here to help. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> life is so much better. Back home. Back home. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I wish you guys would visit to see how nice and how sweet it is to be in Accra. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um... That was really the the the, um, the idea behind me cooking and doing all of that. So they'd be like, they, they realized like, wow, like you know, this is this is Ghana, this is Africa, like yeah. wow, you know. And um, the response was great. It, it did exactly what I wanted it to do. Mm. But it also got my friends who lived in Accra excited. Mm. You know, they now thought, like, oh, I want to try that. I want to taste that. Like, mm. you know, what? Oh, that looks so good. When can we come by and, and have it? So I started a series called Brunch Friends, which okay. I did every Saturday. And basically, my closest friends, you know, who'd also lived abroad, you know, the diaspora, et cetera, would come over on Saturdays for brunch. Mm. And I would make friend toast, pancakes, sausages, you know, that's nice, good brunch, waffles, right. et cetera. And then we'll talk about issues that, you know, we face as young Chinese, young people who've come back to Ghana to work, um, difficulties, challenges, opportunities and things like that, yeah. you know. And um, that was a series for a while, for about six months. Then I opened a public page just posting, you know, pictures of the food. And the response was from that was overwhelming. That okay. was, you know. But let me take you back a bit. Were mm-hmm. you, would you say you were able to do that because you had worked in corporate America and probably been able to save enough money 
to ensure that when you come back, you have something to fall back on? Or yes. were you dependent on your, on your parents? Yes and no. Okay. It was both ways. I okay. mean, I, I, did some, I did what I could myself, but I also, you know, I used to be like, listen, the house has to eat, right? Yes. This is give your me, folks. Give me the money. This is my folks. Give me the money. I'll cook for you guys. Okay. You know, so it was a win-win. They had a good food to eat. I had content. You know, so I would make whatever they were going to eat. I'd decide what I was going to make for them. Yeah. And then I would shoot it. And then they would have content. They would, eat, they would get good food to eat. So it kind of worked out. That partnership kind of worked out. Yeah. You know, so that it wasn't too costly for me. Because good food is expensive in Accra. But in all of this, you know? the whole concept of Villa Grace was still not born. It still wasn't born. Okay. It still wasn't born. Um, you know, it, it, it was... The name was born because, you know, I, I kind of called my house Villa Grace. It's mm. kind of called my, my home. So we always have that because Villa Grace was home. Yeah. You know? And um, once the, we went into Instagram and had that page, it just kind of continued and lingered on. And, yeah. And I'm so glad it did because it has so much sentimental value to me as well. But at what point you in know? time did you realize that you can actually transform this um, cooking for your friends and discussing important issues to you into a business, exactly. When we, when, we, we, when we launched the Instagram page and the response was you know, overwhelmingly great and, and good, I thought, okay, I need to do a pop-up. Mm. Miami um, you know, has, in South Florida, which I lived there for you know, over, over nine years, mm. has a big um, pop-up culture. Okay. Pop-up events okay. for different products, different services, different things. I thought, why don't we do a pop-up mm. and just get a few people to come in and be able to taste the food, mm. you know? So the first pop-up we had was for 20 people. Okay. It was called Genesis. <laughs> I was extremely nervous. Thinking about it now makes me nervous all over again. Mm. Um, and to think it was just 20 people, I can do that now in my sleep, Yeah. you know? But I was so nervous. I was scared. I had sleepless nights about this. We invited our, our top 20 followers okay. who really, had been really excited about the brand. And um, it was my auntie's garden. She has a beautiful garden. And, you know, she used to be in the, into the restaurant business. So yeah. she was kind of like my fairy godmother um, <laughs> type thing. And like, okay, let's do these plates. Let's do this. Like, do you need extra hands in the kitchen? Mm -hmm. I can get some extra hands for you. Things like that. So the Genesis brunch happened. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, a five-course meal. Um, it was stressful. I had high anxiety. Mm -hmm. But everybody who was important to me was there okay. to cheer me on in the back. <clears throat> you know, my family, my friends, <clears throat> my mom, my cousins, and, and things. And then the guests also were very supportive. They responded very, very well. Did you advertise or you sent, like, invitations? We sent invitations. Okay. Um, you know, it was okay. called Genesis, the Selected Few. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I remember so well thinking to myself. And I look back now and I was like, what was I thinking? You know? <laughs> but um, it was a nice event. Okay. And that's when I realized that this could be something a business. And at yeah. the time, I was thinking just pop-up. I wasn't even thinking catering or luxury mm. catering. It was mm. just pop-up events, you know, with a lifestyle twist, mm. fashion, food, music, drinks, mm. you know. That was really the concept. Um, and that quickly changed into catering. I don't remember how... How did... How did I don't remember how that happened. <laughs> okay. Just the other day, I was sitting there thinking, I was in Lagos, and I was sitting there thinking, how did we transition from pop-ups into catering. Yeah. But what was your first what was your first catering event? I don't remember. Oh wow. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I really don't I was thinking the other day I really was. I was like, I wonder when that happened, what the first one was. You know, I don't I I, I need to do some more thinking. Okay. Maybe it's because you've done quite a number. Perhaps. Yeah. But the first one should really, you know, mean should something stick to out. me. Yeah, it should. <laughs> 
Awesome. Okay. So what has it been like a really smooth um ride? Because it sounds really glorious, you know. No, it has not. What have been some of the challenges? I mean, there's there's many. Um acquiring um inventory, acquiring stock, mm. you know, has been difficult. How did you um, do it? The, if, if you're if you have a smart business strategy mm-hmm. and a smart business mind, mm-hmm. um techniques, um, people, good business advisors who can advise you properly on how to reinvest, you know, what, what direction you should be going in, then it's not that difficult. Okay. And I think I was blessed with all, you know, all of those skills and, and people in my mm-hmm. life to advise me. Mm-hmm. Food service is a prepaid service. Yes. You know, so if you're smart about it, the company should be able to grow itself slowly, which we've, we're still doing. We're still growing ourselves step by step. Yeah. Because people will prepay you for the service. You know, it's it's... It's edible. You yeah. can't, it's not like a, it's in a warehouse and you can come and take it and pay me next week. I have to buy the stuff. Yeah. So you need to pay me so I can go buy the stuff. You know? So it was a step-by-step thing. When I first started, um, my best friend, Kareem, his parents used to have this like one of these chichinga grills. Okay. You know, those like old-school chichinga grills. Like the kebab seller grills. Exactly, in their okay. house. And um, his parents moved to Lebanon right before I started. So I took the grill. Okay. And that was the grill that we used to use. So that was your first was item first you owned. That was my first item I owned. And it wasn't even mine. <laughs> but I took it. Yeah. I think I still have it even. And that was what we used to do on our grilling and stuff, you know. Um, because Ghanaians like meat. Yeah. Like grill, you know. And then our first big purchase after that was a real industrial grill. But how many years in between um, your first? It was about six months. Okay. But I was very adamant and, you know, about... I was. I'm very focused. Okay. You know, I know what I want for this company. I know where the company should be in five years and ten years, and I know what I need to do to get there. Right. So I don't just sit and wait and relax. I, I you know, I, I do what I need to do. Right. To make sure that I'm going where I need to go. You know. So when you first started out, though, it seems like it was a it was a one man business because you were yes, doing. Yes, it was the just cooking. me and my houseboy. You- <laughs> Houseboy ten chef. Just houseboy ten chef. <laughs> okay. Just me and my houseboy. And how did you manage to grow from just you and him to how many how many people are on your team right now? Um, full time seven. Seven. Okay. And then we have about twenty listed casual staff okay. who come depending on the number of events. Right. Yeah. So how did you get the permanent seven? I mean, as we grew bigger, the need you know arose, arose yeah. for, for for different staff. Um, for different job roles and yeah. things like that. Um, How did you know, get your first chef, for instance? My first chef was a waiter at one of my pop-up events. Uh, well, no, my first chef, my aunt, let me have. Okay. Which was for the Genesis event. She, again, she used to be in restaurant business, so she had access to a lot of these guys. Okay. So she called one of her old guys to come and help me. Okay. But he wasn't my first full-time chef. Okay. My first full-time chef, who is still the head chef now, I, I got from one of my pop-up events. Mm. And he was a waiter, and he, he had come to the back to take um, the plates, like mm. take the course meal. And then he realized that things were a little slow back there. Like I was kind of like flustered and overwhelmed. Mm. So I saw this guy, like I'm buttoning his white shirt, you know, and he came and just like took charge, mm. you know, and, and, and not took charge over me, but took charge over everybody else who was just making me angry, Fasted. right? Yeah. And I was just like, well, this guy kind of knows what he's doing. Like he mm. has good control over the kitchen. And the rest was history. Okay. And after that, it was it was... It was easy. He he understood what I wanted and what I expected. He delivered, and I offered him the position um, as a full-time 
head chef of the company. And he's still with you now? He's still with me. Okay. And then aside the head chef, what other type of um, staff do you uh, have? We have a sous chef. We have a warehouse supervisor. We have I have a driver who does both the company truck and you know my personal driving. I have um, an executive assistant. Mm. I have a guy for um, an operations director. I have an accountant. Have you always had um, your truck? No. Okay. How did that you was, go about? <laughs> that, was, that was also acquired. Um, okay. And I couldn't. You know, it was a payment installment payment plan. You know, um, I offered the buyer, um, the seller, um, equity in the mm. company. Okay. Because I couldn't afford the whole thing at the time. You know, and that's when I say that when I when I, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into everything I have. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I really have put my blood, sweat, tears, and everything I have into getting everything I have. Yeah. You know, it really hasn't been easy. It's still not easy. But prior know? to you actually acquiring this truck, how were you conveying your stuff from one place to the oh, other? Oh, that's the best, the funniest story ever. It's my favorite one. <laughs> so my mom's company has a pickup. Okay. Because they're imprinting. They deliver books and, you know, things like that. And I would borrow the pickup and mm. put all the equipment in the back. Mm. Then I would borrow a bed sheet for my mother mm. and tie, the, like, the four posts of the pickup yeah. with a bed sheet so it covers the stuff. Yeah. And that's how it would go. <laughs> so you'd see, I mean, I, I used to, like, crack up because I would drive behind, the, my car would drive behind the, the pickup. Yeah. And I used to die laughing, just following the pickup and thinking yeah. to myself, like, oh, this, is, this is so ghetto. Like, this is like, what, what, are we, what am I doing? You know? But I, I, I have a good sense of humor. So, I, you know, I was able to see the lighter side of everything. Right. But um, it also made me aggressive to fix that. You know, I thought... This is this is not what this is not food service. Yeah. You know? And not at the level that I'm trying to take it. Yeah. So I quickly started making a plan to acquire a truck that could, you know, properly house everything that needs to be housed and things like that. You know? <laughs> and you've been able to do it finally. I have. <laughs> All right. I so have. we are listening to Africa's business rock stars. We're speaking to Fred <coughs> Apalu, who is the creative director of Villa Grace. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars, and our guest today is Freda Palu, who is the creative director of Villa Grace, a boutique catering service in Accra, Ghana. Fred, so before we went on break, um, you were talking about how you've grown from an event for 20 people mm-hmm. to, to how many now? Our biggest so far has been 500. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How was that like? It, me. <laughs> it was fine. I mean, we're very confident and comfortable with numbers now. Okay. For place at events, I still won't go over 100 because I, I need to make sure that I, I have control over every plate. Okay. Um, just creatively and aesthetically. But for a buffet, you know, once I design the set, yeah, we're good. We can we, we can cook the volumes. <laughs> we can even go for a thousand. Say it with such confidence now. But again, for a thousand, we lose the essence of boutique. Even yeah. five hundred, it was low, it was high, but um, the clients insisted. So, yeah, yeah. So at this point in time, especially your dad, is he now convinced that my son has a plan and the plan is actually working? Yeah, I think my dad finally gets it. Okay. I think um, I think my Forbes listing. I was about to come to that. <laughs> Did it have to take you? Being I think that of made, yeah. I think that kind of made him. <laughs> Understand that, okay, I need to recognize this boy. Yeah. Because, you know, Africa does. Yeah. So, so in 2018, um, you were named on the Forbes 30 under 30 yes, list. And yes. what, like, how in the world did that happen? It was crazy. So um, I was sitting there one day, I got an email saying that I've been nominated for the under 30 list. Okay. And in order to 
complete elimination, I had to answer a set of long, elaborate questions okay. and send them back send them back to um, you know the network okay. by a certain date, which I did. But I, with every email, it said once you send the information, if they don't get back to you, mm-hmm. I mean that you're done. You're done. <laughs> so you don't email back, be like, please, did you get my my email last week, things like that. <laughs> so it's very like you know, you're step by step. Okay. So I did that. Then they came back again with another set of questions. You know, like you've been shortlisted the second round of of you know, selections. Please answer these questions as well. I did that. These were more detailed. I think at this point, you know, you have to attach like a picture of myself, things like that. Okay. You know, then I got short. This is the third round, and that's where things got really serious. Mm. You know, um, tax information, bank statements, mm. um, you know, registration documents, like all the legit stuff. Right. You know, um, it's what they asked for. I think bank statements for the past year and a half. And, you know, they're very specific about what they wanted. So I did that as well and sent it to them. I didn't hear back again from them for about. Six weeks. Okay. So I might <laughs> close my mind. I went on. A, I went on a buying trip to China. I was in there, and yeah. one day in my head, I was like, "Are these poor crap?" Like you know, I guess. Well, I guess that you know that didn't go. That didn't. That didn't happen. Yeah. After six weeks, close my mind. You know, I was like, you know, I've tried. You know, whatever. Um, go back to Ghana. One random night, mm. it was like midnight or one a.m. Mm. Then my phone just goes like, "Bing," and it's an email from the Forbes organization. Okay. And I'm like, okay, well, what do they want now? I open it and it's like, congratulations, you've been listed as under 30. I almost died. <laughs> you know, I almost died. And then it said that you had to, but you know, this was top secret. Okay. So you can't tell anybody, you have to follow their lead on, on press release. Okay. On the magazine release. So you have this great news, but you have to keep it to yourself. Wow. I that must have been tough. I, it wasn't. I told my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that same night, I, I was like, mom, you know, guess what happened? You know, and of course, you know, it was exciting. Yeah. I cried tears of joy. Um, you know, I prayed. I prayed. I got on my knees and prayed that night. Yeah. I prayed to God. I tried to talk to my grandmother, Aww. you know, because I believe in, you know, spirits, you know, or people dying and becoming saints and right. things like that. And right. you know, being able to intercede um, on your behalf. On your behalf. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I prayed to them as well and talked to them as well. And, it, it just kind of was a good sign that I was doing that I was really doing what I was meant yeah. to, to be doing, because I've always said that you know Villa Grace for me is in a spiritual journey, mm. and I feel like I was I was called and put on earth to do this, mm. to bless people with you know good food, with beverage, yeah. with entertainment, with laughter, with you know just hospitality, yeah. and so being recognized on that platform just kind of reassured. What I already knew. Did you did, did you brand. think it opened more doors for you? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you haven't met anybody perhaps. who says, "Oh, I mean, I you do, are the one I, who was listed." But I don't on... know if it's open. I mean, I feel like God opens doors. Okay. Okay. And you know, and any doors that that I've, were opened, I opened my for myself. Like mm. I worked very hard. hard. For it. The only reason why I was listed was because of my hard work, not right. because they thought like, "Oh, he's good looking" or "the food looks pretty." Right. It's because of how hard I work. Right. You know, that's how I got listed. So, I wouldn't. I think that with every door that I've opened, including that fourth door, yeah, it was as a result of my own hard work. Yeah. You know, and that's why I was able to. You know go far in that regard, yeah. et cetera. So you stress a lot on hard work, but mm-hmm. um, looking at your journey, so Christ the King, Lincoln, right. went to um, school in the States, mm-hmm. corporate America. Mm-hmm. 
earning dollars, mm-hmm. coming back home, we look at your Instagram page and see the social media posts <coughs> of really, 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 like you said, the food looks really good. Mm-hmm. Presentation is A+. Plus. Thank yes? you. You moved back home and you were renovating yeah. your guest room mm-hmm. so you could live there. Mm-hmm. So this is, sounds like a story of someone who's had it on a silver platter. Like, uh, life has been uh, easy. Uh, 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 His parents have uh, been able to... Give him every single thing Absolutely that he has. Absolutely not. Why do you say so? I mean, th- particularly, let me relate this or, or, or speak about this part, particularly in regard to Villa Grace. Okay. Everything that I have, mm-hmm. everything that I own, everything that I will own has been by my own doing. Okay. Um, by the grace of God, by the power of God, I've been able to attain everything, you know, everything that I've attained. Mm. Whether it's, you know, the truck, you know, warehousing, um, units, inventory, mm. things like that, plates, cutlery, crockery, whatever. It's all been by the grace of God and by my hard work. Okay. I worked for every single thing. You need to define that hard work. I own. I mean, it's it's everything. Everything that you see that has to do with Villa Grace, I worked for. Mm. Nobody ever just said, oh, here you go. You know, take this and invest in your business mm. or do this. Nobody. You have no investor? No. Okay. No, and um, I'm happy about that because mm. because it's a spiritual journey and mm. it's my calling. I don't expect people to understand mm. what it is or why I do things the way I do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it, when 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 something's your calling, you have to. It's between you and God. He tells you what you know what he wants you to do. If you follow him and you do it the right way, this is what's going to happen. Mm. He will make a way. Mm. You know, if if anybody had told me four years ago that I would have a truck, you know, we're now building a new office, I'd be doing that all of those things, I'd be like, I'll say you're lying. Yeah. You know, because at the time, my warehouse was my mother's kitchen. I would put all up, put the pots and pans, everything that we acquired, yeah. in my mother's kitchen on the floor, <laughs> and mess up, you know, the whole kitchen was now just, she couldn't even go to her kitchen anymore. Wow. Because of me, you know? But I would, I would if anyone had said, you know, Fred, you know, by, by 2019, you'll have a, you know, a warehouse, mm. you know, you'll have a truck, you'll have this, and et cetera. And I thought, like, yeah, yeah, I keep talking. Yeah. You know, but my hard work and perseverance has allowed me to do all these things. And um, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Because it hasn't been, been easy. There's times when you feel like just giving up. There's times when you think, is this even worth it? Yeah. There's times when you think, do Ghanaians even understand what I'm doing, the value of what I'm doing? Um, because it's a difficult market. Ghanaians, Especially food service, the way that we do, mm-hmm. is quite difficult because it's new mm-hmm. and it's unique, and we're not used to food service like this. And also the fact that you're <clears> actually <throat> a male in this in this exactly. field. Exactly that too. Yeah. You know, in the world it's okay. In the world, some of the best people in food service, the best chefs are guys. Mm. But in our society and in our culture, mm. it's usually females who cook, mm-hmm. right? So how have so, you been able to convince the Ghanaian market? How? Just doing what I was called to do. Like I said, it's a calling. Mm. Being the best in my mind, in what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I stay in my lane and I dream up ideas, I dream up recipes, I dream up design, I dream up concept, and I, you know, get a client who's willing to let me do it, and I do it. And, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's just step by step, next thing after next thing, and just keep it going. So have you had an instance where um, probably a customer wanted to see the chef and it turns out to be a meal and the person probably had like the shock of their lives? I had that, but mine was, I, I don't even know if mine was 
gender. I think mine was more. Mine wasn't gender related. Okay. I think it was more race related. Okay. You know, I was I had booked an event for a group of foreigners, mm. and they asked to see the owner. Mm. Um, you know, the head chef and I went, and they were like, "No, no, no, we don't mean the manager. We mean like the owner of the company, mm. like the <laughs> the person who owns it." And I was like, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> and she kept me like, "No, no, no. I I know you're the boss here." But I mean, who owns, like, who's your boss? Right. In my head, I'm like, God, <laughs> you know, God's my boss. But I'm like, no, that's, it's me. Like, I'm, I am. Villa Grace. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. But, it, you know, it, it took me back a second because I mm. thought like, wow, you know, is it, is it, it's not a gender thing. It's a race thing. Mm. I don't think the foreigners in Ghana expect Ghanaians to do work of that standard. Right. Or think that we're capable of doing work of that standard, right? You know, so it was, so she, she was taken aback to find that it was a Ghanaian man, right? Behind you know such a a, a good brand mm. that's putting out good quality mm. work, you know, and everything. And it, 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 I think we were both shocked. I was mm. shocked looking at her, thinking like someone crazy, you know. And <laughs> she was shocked looking at me, thinking like, wow, like so you you own this for real, for real, yeah. You know, so. How do you handle um, situations like this? I just... It, it actually makes me stronger. Things like that make me be like, oh, I need to do better. Yeah. Like, I need to show... People need to realize that, you know, we're... Like, watch our world. Yeah. Ghana's coming for you type yeah. thing. Yeah. You know? So those things make me more aggressive to do better work, to be the best at what I'm doing, um, and to push myself to be one day um, noticed on an international level. Yeah. You know? Um, when I dream, that's where I dream of. I dream way beyond the four walls of Accra, of Ghana, yeah. of even Africa. You know, I, I dream of being international, being in New York, in, in Paris, in Italy, in Lomé. Mm. It's it it all over the world. and It'd be a household name. Which brings us to my um, next question, actually. So have you done any catering events or pop-ups outside of Ghana? We haven't done pop-ups outside. We've done catering outside, yes. Okay. Um, sometimes, most summers, I take the summer off because most of my clients are away. And I go back to Florida, mm. which is where I lived. And I do pop-ups there. Mm. I, do, I do private catering there. Um, it's easy in America because you can rent any and everything. Yeah. Number one, you go on um, online. You can find a sous chef. You can find... You know, Rana, you can find a, this. You can find you can find talent. Yeah. For a day, you know, you, the, the price for the day is there. Yeah. So it's easy because when they say when a, when a sous chef is listed as a sous chef, they for real are a sous chef. Yeah. In yeah. Ghana, they, they you know they list themselves as a sous chef, and you're training them all over again. Yeah. These guys are what they say they are. You know, so it's easier to to go there in the summer and be like, there's an event going on. I need five people. You'll get them very easily. Mm. You can also get equipment very easily for rent. Mm. You rent a grill, rent fire, rent pots and pans, rent. You know, so it's easy to put things together because it's it's you just rent it. Yeah. Here it's not the same. Here you have to own and acquire the things to do what you need to do. Yeah. You know, so Florida, Florida sees my my summer events um, when I'm out there. Lovely. Mm -hmm. What have been some of the events that you've catered for that um, still rings a bell? Or probably shocked you to get a call the from the Queen of Denmark. Okay. Um, we had a, a lunch soiree for her at the Osu Castle. Okay. When she came, the, the castle was built by the Danish. All right. Okay. So when the Queen was in town, Queen <coughs> <coughs> of Denmark, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the Osu Castle was built by the Danish. Okay. So when the Queen was in town, 
we had a lunch um, at the Usu Castle, and we catered for that. Okay. And that was very, I mean, I mean, who catering for the queen is a big deal. So we you don't make it sound like it was a big deal. Like, oh, it's just one of those things. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, I mean, sound calm now, you know, but I was, I was really like, wow, this is, this is, you know, this is huge. Yeah. Um, you know, so I get the call from the embassy, and I met with the ambassador, etc. And you know, we, we shared the idea and the concept. You know, the little soiree inside the castle, yeah. and it was beautiful. The castle is very beautiful, by the way. But um, so we did that, and then we also did Chris Cox, who's a um, CFO for Facebook. Okay. So that was also huge. That was also big. Um, we, we did we did Chris Montag as well, um, CEO for. Um, Merrill Lynch, okay. so he's the head of Bank of America, and you know all those. So we've had a few big boys or and, and girl, <laughs> woman. <laughs> Don't you wonder we, how the these people <clears throat> find us about you? The, uh, the okay, so the embassy was the queen. The other two were the international houses. They reached out. Mm. The international event, quintessentially, quintessentially is an international event planning platform. Okay, and they are Facebook's. Facebook is one of their clients. Okay, so they you know kind of <clears throat> managed. Us, um, because they were in charge of all the events and right. stuff like that. Right. Online. Right. Instagram. The power of Instagram. So it sounds like you've done catering for um, quite renowned um, individuals mm-hmm. and companies as well. So Villa Grace is profitable, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody is in business to make a loss, yeah. right? <laughs> so as profitable <clears throat> as you'd wish for it to be? No. Okay. We're not there yet. I think we will be there, but not now. Because okay. There's lots of reinvesting. Yeah. So I'm not really seeing... I'm seeing my profits, but I'm not really seeing, you know... Huge profits. Yeah. yeah. It's, we're putting a lot back in. Yeah. Where that, you know, to, to be where we need to be, we need to do this. We need to put everything that we get, 80% of what we get back into yeah. the company. Yeah. And that's what we're doing right now. Have you always been profitable? Yeah. Right from the very beginning? Yes. It's a business. Yeah. That's why... That's where. That's how, you know, been able to get to where we are now. Mm. Like I said, nobody's ever given me anything. Mm. So, you know, I've had to structure it as such and treat it as a business. And in business, you're in to make profits because you have to pay salaries. Yeah. You have to, you know, maintain what you're buying. You have to invest, etc. So it needs to make sense. So um, even your pop-ups? Margins. No. So the pop-ups are a part of our marketing strategy, okay. a marketing plan, you mm-hmm. know? And those are meant to just kind of show people what the brand represents. Mm-hmm. You know, good food, um, you know, entertainment, drinks, things like that. So the pop-ups are we usually, 95% of the time, we run at a loss, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. for the pop-ups. Um, which people always think I'm crazy, and people always like, what do you mean? Because it's 500 CDs right now per yes. head. But what people don't realize is that you're not, pay, you're not paying just for food. You're paying for an experience. Okay. So out of that 500 CDs, you're getting unlimited champagne cocktails. Mm. There's decor, mm. right? There's sound, mm. there's staffing. There's so much that goes into productions that people don't realize and think about. You know, even the tablecloth that's on the table has to be laundered before and after. Yeah. That's a cost. Yeah. You know, the, the, the ACs have to be... Um, you know, put together by an electrician. Yeah. That's a cost. Then we have to buy gas for the ACs. That's a cost. You know, all, it's, it's cost after cost after cost. But um, clients never see it that way. Yeah. They just think, 500 CDs for food, oh my goodness. It's very expensive. You know, I'm like, trust me, guys, I wish I was making some profit all of this, uh, out of this, I beg your pardon. But um, it's, it's, it's production costs. It's, it's, it is what it is. 
So how do you keep yourself um, up to date in terms of recipes and even in terms of competition? Because, you know, Ghana, you're not the only yeah. one who's doing this. Yeah, so yeah. how do you ensure that you still stay on top? Um, I do a lot of reading. Okay. I read a lot. I do a lot of visual um, interpretations and knowledge. I watch a lot of videos, mm. um, you know, lots of research. Um, and then in terms of design and, and aesthetic, Instagram is a good tool okay. to kind of show you what the world is doing. Um, <clears throat> and I, like I said, this is my journey. It is spiritual for me. Mm. So I, I don't really look at what the next person is doing. Right. I think that they look, <laughs> we, we tend to look at what we're doing. Right. But, um, you know, we just stay focused. And when you stay focused and you know what you're doing, you're always one step ahead. Yeah. Because you're not really comparing yourself to anybody else. You're... Trying to set the pace and, and you know and keep going. And that's what we do. What's um, your support system been like? I've been very blessed to have uh, a family that now fully supports me. In the beginning, it was difficult. Okay. You know, like I said, the only person in my entire family who, from the get go, fully, fully, fully supported me was my sister. Okay. And my sister, one thousand percent, from the very beginning. Was like you know what this is exactly what you're meant to be doing. Yeah. You've always like enjoyed cooking. You've always you know liked to do things like this. You're you're going to succeed and be the best. Mm. You know. So that was a good feeling. My my parents were a little kind of like uh, you know mm. you know they spent quite a bit of money on education. Quite a bit. You know. And then you come <laughs> you come back and you think you know I'm going to cook. Mm. And there's no real plan. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. But um, I just kept remembering and thinking to myself, listen. You can be and do anything you want to do in this world as long as you are going to be the best at it. Right. Whether you're a driver, whether you're a drummer, whether you are a fire spitter, it doesn't matter what you are. Be the best at it and you'll succeed. Right. You know, so in my mind, I knew that I had to be the best at this, you know, and I was going to succeed if I had that kind of mantra. And that's been my motto. It's, it's just knowing that I'm going to be the best at this and pushing, mm. pushing every day. Mm. Um, I've been blessed. Great friends as well have been around me. Um, I hate to name them because yeah. I always leave some out, but yeah. I, they know who they are from day one. You know, they've, they've been there for me. They've supported me. Um, they've pushed me. They've given me tough love. Yeah. You know, biggest supporters, biggest critics as well. Um, but it's all been a part of the story. And it's all kind of brought us to where we are now. Have so they been the ones who um, have been able to get you more clients? So your marketing, is it word of mouth? Do you do advertising? Um, there's, there's, word of, there's a word of mouth aspect. Okay. There's a social media aspect. Okay. Social media is a big platform for free marketing. Okay. So you have to be smart about how you position yourself um, and the kind, of um, the kind of content that you put out. Okay. I'm very specific about the content that goes out, the way it's captured, the way it's edited, mm. the way it's represented. You know, mm. I, I try to give viewers an actual glimpse of what was what happened mm. that day. You know, the food should be able to talk to them through the, the lenses, yeah. through their phones, and make a connection with them. A connection enough that they can pick up a phone and give us a call or send us an email to inquire about our services. Yeah. You know? So, so do you spend money in advertising at all? Or no? I don't. No? Okay. Well, I do. Photography. Okay. That's quite expensive. You get professional photographers. Yes. It's always been that way? No. I used to use my iPhone first. I have, I have a knack for photography. I'm, I'm quite good at, uh, like I said, I'm a creative. Mm. So I'm quite good at photography and, you know, kind of knowing how to lay things out and that kind of stuff. So I did that myself for a while and then I thought it was time to, let, you know, to focus on other things and have somebody uh, who's solely responsible for the, the imagery. And so we, we did that.
All right, you're listening to Africa's Business Rockstars, and our guest today is Freda Palu, the creative director of Villa Grace. When we come back, he'll tell us about the future for his company. We'll be right back. Fred, so at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right, um, you do boutique catering. Yeah. So it's about food and it's mm-hmm. about people coming to eat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, day in, day out, we see tons of people who do this. Mm-hmm. So what would you say makes Villa Grace different such that you've been able to become this successful um, company? I think that for me, um, and this is what a lot of people don't see or don't know, is the, the work that we do behind the scenes okay. is really what um, creates, you know, or, or it's really why we've been able to be sustainable and, and, and do well mm-hmm. or ex- excel. Um, number one, we believe, we strongly believe in food with integrity. So I am very, very adamant about always sourcing the best, the freshest, um, the most natural ingredients okay. that I can use because those things matter. Um, you know, and, and those things affect taste. Okay. I'm, I'm adamant about cooking on site because I know that fire to table is, is the best way that you can consume food. Okay. Um, I'm very diligent about the way we prep, you know, making sure my staff understand why we're doing certain things. Mm. If you use a knife to cut pork, please don't use the same knife to cut fish or beef mm. because, you know, you might have Muslims. You know, right. Little things that be, behind the scenes are so important to us, I think, make us different or make our food taste different, the yeah. kind of love we put in. Making sure that they understand um, hygiene, food safety, you know, um, how, to, how to handle the food in a safe environment, mm. wash your hands, wear your gloves, things like that. Keep the kitchen clean and organized, mm. you know. Um, for di- different dishes, how you prep, you know, how to cut an onion for this versus how to cut an onion for that meal, you know. So we just take the time to really, really, really put a lot of love and TLC into the food before it actually gets out the buffet table. Yeah. And that's why people eat and come back for more. Yeah. Because it's not even just about, you know, f- remove the, the, the thrills of, of flowers and, and nice and furniture and all of that. I think we, do, we put out good quality food. Right. Um, period. Right. I think that people, our clients who are returners, our clients who, you know, love to come to our events and come back, um, not even events, but clients, because yeah. the events are, are PR. You know, our actual clients who come to us time and time again come because they enjoy the food that we give them. Yeah. You know, they enjoy the quality um, of the food. They know how much love we put into it because they can taste it. Mm. You know, mm. and that's why they keep coming back for more. Mm. You say this with such passion. How how are you able to translate this this passion and this understanding for why? To be precise and concise is really important. How have you been able to translate this to your to your workers, it's to been your a challenge. staff? It's been a challenge, and it's still is a challenge, trying to make them understand the importance of all these things. Because in Ghana, we don't really have standards, mm. you know, um, and so trying to set standards and, and set them in stone, mm. so that everybody, whether casual or full time um, employee who walks into my kitchen, knows what my standards are um, and understands. And is able to work by those standards. Yeah. You know, gets it. You know, um, I try to use visuals. I try to use notes. You know, when we have an event and you come into the kitchen, you'll see different things on the walls. You know, maybe even from the look and feel, what it's going to look, what it should look like. Okay. To techniques, to, you know, prep notes, everything. I try and visual, let them and visualize everything so they can actually look at it, read it, ask questions, understand it. 
you know, before the event, we sit and have several meetings. Okay. So they understand what the event is, who it's for, why it's important, yeah. um, you know, why we have to do this a certain way, why we have to do that a different way, and things like that. Um, I try and make them invested in what we're doing as well. Um, also, you know, obviously it gets difficult. Sometimes yeah. you have hiccups here and there, and people get upset, you know. Kitchener Energy is kind of, a high-energy environment. You know, with high-energy environment, it comes good and the bad, mm. you know. But you have to just work through it, keep them motivated. When they do well, you tell them they've done well. Mm. You know, so it's not just, you know, why did you mess that up? But it's like, good job. That, that came out very nicely. Yeah. Or you cut that very nicely. Well done. You know, reassuring them as well. And um, I think that's kind of been a good tool. Yeah. And why we've been able to remain successful. How do you, how do you motivate your staff? I talk to them. Okay. I talk to my staff about any and everything. You know, I, I know about their personal lives. I know about their personal struggles. Mm. I know about their struggles as it pertains to work. Mm. I know, you know, I know a lot. I, I, I get to know them for who they are um, as individuals. Mm. And it's important because then you're able to kind of help them in areas where they need help, whether privately or um, in a career, right. um, the workplace. It's, it's very, very important. And I take that very seriously. Um, we celebrate the successes together. You know, after after a very good season, if I get a massage, they get a massage as well. You know, when when we're cheersing and it's champagne, we cheers all of us together. You know, we sit down at a, at a table and we break bread and eat together. You know, so I, I make them feel that as much as I'm invested in it, I'm also invested in them, mm. and that kind of I think makes them invest in the entire vision as well of the company and of the business. And um, it's good; it's a good feeling. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, yeah, it yeah. Is. it's pretty good. What's the future for Vela Grace? Can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell us? Um, you know, definitely restaurants. Okay. That, that's I, my, I, I've, 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 my newly found passion for, for boutique restaurants. Um, maybe a coffee table book or two. Mm. You know, that's all I'll, that's all I'll share for, for now. now. Okay. <laughs> you know, <but laughs> well, then we'll we be back. Be going, we, won't, we won't be going anywhere <laughs> for a long time. So you'll see us popping up in random places doing random things fantastic all good things fantastic but, you know. we'll be back to make sure that we feature you when all please, those things happen please please come back <laughs> Fred please. thank you so much for talking to us on thank Africa's you. Business Rockstars it's been thank amazing you. it has been amazing work. thank yeah. you very much alright so on Africa's Business Rockstars we tend to like to motivate our listeners mm-hmm. um, and it's usually done by our guests to give okay. us what we call the rockstar quote so that thing that inspires you and keeps you going. Okay. So Fred, what is your rockstar quote? Um, for me, I suppose it will be, you know, that in business you gain as much as you put in. Mm. And by that I mean, you know, a lot of people think, you know, there's lot there's luck in this fate, but it's actually hard work. Um, your business will give you how much you put in. And you, but that also comes with the fact that you can't give up. Um, you can't um, be down because it's not, it's not happening when you want it to happen. If you really put in 1,000%, you will get 1,000% back. You may not get it in one year, you may not get it in five years, but you will get it all back. And I think I'm living testimony of that. I haven't gotten um, everything that I've put in yet, but I'm getting it, and I keep putting in more. So my cup, I know, is going to run over um, by the time I'm done because, you know... I'm, I'm putting in and I'm putting in and I'm putting in and step by step I'm getting it back, you know. And so that's that's really what motivates and inspires me. And I, I kind of try to live um, my business life with that. 
fantastic.